0: Hey, welcome and welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. We hope to have thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, mm-hmm. addressing the existential threats to America. We'll catch up with Byron York today, columnist at The Washington Examiner. All right, Byron, I have been reading your columns and thinking about things, and let's go Let's go to the end of the story. Uh, I know what Joe Biden's numbers are. I know Democrats are starting to turn on him, and you can elaborate on any, you know, all of this. But do you really think Donald Trump can be elected?
1: No, I don't. Um, I don't either. I, I don't either. No, I think, the, well,
0: the, well and, and I would vote for him in a minute. I mean, compared to Biden, I would vote for him in a minute.
1: In all elections, there are these two steps. There's getting your party's nomination, and then there's winning the general election. Um, and obviously, Trump looks like the dominant choice to get his party's nomination right now. Although um we have not uh, he, his campaign has not come into contact with the voters which is the most important thing so we'll know more in january
0: the numbers are daunting i mean no. there could be a difference between what we're seeing now and the and the numbers when the people vote but they're what like 48 points between him and de yeah
1: it's, i think it's 42 in the real clear politics average of national polls but yeah it's i mean it's unprecedented and nobody's ever had a lead this big, and so nobody's ever lost a lead this big. Um, so, yeah, okay. the, the numbers are absolutely daunting. And uh, and I don't see anything, by the way, that's scheduled between now and the Iowa caucuses. That is, the, the coming more debates. I don't see anything that's scheduled that is really going to turn things upside down. And clearly, the only factor that's really going to be huge is the beginning of his trials, um, which – Won't start, we think, now until the Monday before Super Tuesday on March 4th. But, um, you know, uh, seeing seeing Trump on trial um, could uh, change some of his voters' minds, or it could make them even more determined to support Donald Trump. So, um, you know, I'll say
0: and it seems to me, uh, and again, I, I get angry emails because people say, why don't you like Trump? But, well, I, there's plenty to disapprove of in Donald Trump, even if you're his biggest supporter, uh, but I certainly would vote for him against Biden. But that's not my judgment. Uh, you know, my my, uh, my judgment is that he can't win uh, because polls aside, I must know 100 Republicans who have said to me, you know, the locution, Byron, I just couldn't could never vote for Donald Trump again.
1: You know, the one there's a the number that came out of the 2022 midterms that has really it really struck me. Obviously in the 2022 midterms, inflation uh was terrible, uh and it really, I mean, yeah, I saw a piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, uh Americans' uh buying power has gone down for the third their their income after inflation has gone down for the third year in a row, which is all the years Biden has been in office. Um so There was a real, real um, recipe for a big, big change in the 2022 midterms. Now, abortion played a a role in that. It played a serious role in some places. But still, Biden is the president who is presiding over an economy that is just hurting people. And so the poll number I'm referring to is the uh, pollsters asked, what's the state of the economy? You know, and like, is it excellent? Is it good? Is it not so good or is it terrible? And so obviously the people who say it's excellent, there's like one of them, um, they vote for <laughs> Democrats, right? And the people who say it's good, or pretty good, they vote for Democrats. But of the people who said the economy is not so good, 62% of them voted for Democrats. That's right. how they did yeah. so well. So Biden and the Democratic Party had convinced voters who were suffering economically from democratic policies to vote for democrats because the threat of maga extremism was so great yeah um and believe me you know if biden is in a wheelchair and can't talk in the campaign the whole message is going to be about maga extremism now sure. maybe personification of MAGA. Donald Trump himself will be the candidate. Maybe it'll be another candidate. But believe me, if Nikki Haley gets the nomination, she's going to be a MAGA extremist um, in terms of Democratic campaigning. So I was really struck by that uh, by that number from the midterms. And I, I don't see why something like that wouldn't happen again, no matter the state of the economy in 2024.
0: Oh, that's why we have you on. I I miss that. That's very good insight. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other thought I had was you mentioned Nikki Haley. And uh, I think you pointed out in one of your columns that she is uh, what from the first debate, one of the only people who's rising. Right. Yeah. Uh, she, she had a good debate. She really did have a good debate. She did. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe she can keep rising, but that only puts her what? Forty-four points behind
1: or <laughs> fifty points behind. I think she's about fifty points behind. I'll check on that as we speak. I, I always like to go to the real clear politics um average of um national polls, because we can look at the state polls as well. Right now, Trump has a forty-three point one percentage point lead over Ron DeSantis. Trump is fifty-six point one and DeSantis is thirteen point zero. Um The third place is Vivek Ramaswamy with 6.6. And then Nikki Haley is at uh, 5.8. So I believe uh, Donald Trump is 50.3 points ahead of Nikki Haley at this moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the, the other thing I was thinking is should, and it seems unlikely given what you just cited, should there be another candidate... Uh who wins the Republican nomination? there will be a sufficient number of Trump supporters who will stay home right well, that's yeah it's, that's it's, that's no one yeah yeah
1: yeah it's for, we, for them we don't know we you know uh, a lot of people have been working on this in Iowa, and you know the Republican support in Iowa, and by the way, I'll just give you Trump is up uh by thirty points in Iowa, according to the real Clear politics average. And what Republicans who are either for other candidates or maybe who are just unaffiliated right now are trying to figure out is how much of that Trump is, is really solid, not going to change, uh, and how much of that Trump is soft and could be affected by events or persuasion. And then is there a portion of the hardcore Trump support that is only Trump? That is, they'll vote if Trump is on the ballot, and if he's not, they won't um we don't know what that is earlier on they were thinking it's pretty much about a third super hardcore no chain no, not going to vote for anybody else about a third is pretty solid for trump uh but could be persuaded and maybe maybe more than a the third there and then maybe ten, fifteen percent uh, who are actually opposed to Trump. That's yeah, you know, it's it's real. They exist, but there's not that many of them.
0: The thirty you started with, yes, yeah. what a thirty point difference between Trump and
1: no? It's about a third of the Republican electorate in oh. Iowa is is absolutely dead solid in support of Trump and might not support anybody else if Trump's not on the ballot.
0: How do I ask this question? I know Iowa has surprised in the past, mm-hmm. but is that ever surprised by 30%? I mean, no, you know, no.
1: no, it's never, uh, it's it's never was, been
0: that off, right? Never.
1: No, no. And you know, one thing that I have to remember is as, as much as I, I personally like going to Iowa. I enjoy it there. And I've enjoyed the campaigns that I've covered there, but we have to say, let's go backwards. In 2016, Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucuses and he did not win the Republican nomination and in 2012 Rick Santorum won the Iowa caucuses and he did not win the Republican nomination and in 2008 Mike Huckabee won the Iowa caucuses and he did not win the um, the Republican nomination in 2004 Bush was the incumbent so you have to go back to the year 2000 to have George W. Bush win the Iowa caucuses so you have a the the Winner of the competitive Iowa caucuses goes on to win the nomination has not happened since 2000.
0: All right, but no, none of those guys was ever ahead by no, that is no, not 30 of, points, no, not, not 30 points. Nope, all right, so you know, I, I, I virtually a fate complete, but uh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what the voters have to say.
1: Well, you know, Rudy, uh, uh Rudy was leading
0: yeah he had a big lead, didn't he like ten he or had something. about he
1: had about a fifteen point lead at at his best and and he led the national polls for the all the way all the way up to january up to, right up till the voting started um so it's it's not directly comparable but uh a lot of republicans thought uh Rudy Giuliani was the guy in two thousand what was that two thousand eight
0: uh, I don't want, I don't want to alienate any of my listeners in Iowa but I have to challenge you on one thing that you okay. love going love going to Iowa uh this time of year sure yeah what what about January
1: well you know Mrs. York and I actually took out an apartment in in Des Moines uh, in 2016. <laughs> and it was, downtown, it was downtown. It was one of these buildings that, that they, uh, like a warehouse, they redid as loft apartments. And we stayed there for all of January um, 2016, or maybe part of December and all of January, something like that, and loved it. But it does get, to, oh, look, look, it got very cold, uh, and well, it, you had to be careful walking around lest you slip and fall.
0: Well, I was going to say walking around. I mean, in the in the hotel with Mrs. York watching Netflix, I could see. But but walking around, I mean, you're still something of a gumshoe reporter, right? Aren't well, you?
1: Yes, and and you know, with gumshoes, you have to you know put spikes on and well, Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It was Bob Novak, I think, it was before you were born. You remember his column about going to Iowa uh, before the uh, primaries is like uh, or caucuses is like uh, visiting. Did he say Ukraine? I was some you know <laughs> you know in january it's just it's punishment
1: Well, you know anyway. also the, the one thing about the winners though is yeah. that it does tell you something about the dedication of the uh voters because i remember yes yes uh, yes yes trump, trump had um an event in clear lake iowa and what's the name of that ballroom and it's famous because that's where buddy holly but, but, played buddy the holly concert Right and um and it was I think it was three below you know and the and the crowd was outside and I was with them um for like an hour and a half or two hours waiting in line to get in. You were it outside, was insane, you know. And I and but I was thinking, man, these people really, really want to see Donald Trump.
0: Wow, and you were outside with them? Surf ballroom, yes. Mm-hmm. You, son of Alabama,
1: son of Alabama, had my boots on and my. Special coat that Mrs. York bought for me. Mrs. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Well the, the message here is people who are going are gonna call Mrs. York and say what's the coat? Uh, okay. Where do I get the coat? Um, let's go to the Democrats. Is there a campaign? I mean, one of these organized oh. things that Democrats are doing to get to get rid of Biden or or no? Not?
1: No, it's all behind. The, it's it's all it's all whispers. It's all behind the scenes. And um,
0: okay, time, I is, thought so. time
1: is passing. And if you're gonna if you're gonna challenge Biden in the primaries, um, and you're not, you know, already in Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, you got to start trying to get on ballots in states. And I believe the end of September is going to be the end of the ballot period for some state primaries. So. Maybe maybe October, but um, Biden. What about? I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: What about my sons? Both of my sons, Professor Cornell West.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I you know I've heard people say Cornell West could play a a, a decisive role in this. I haven't seen any evidence that that um, is the case. Biden has done an extremely good job in discouraging. I mean, it's hard to believe that someone who would be 86 at the end of a second term has done a good job uh discouraging would be challengers from running and yeah. you know uh Gavin Newsom i guess just the, the, the primo yeah. challenger was on Meet the Press a few days ago um and he's you know was talking about how what a great president biden is and it's been a masterclass in governing and his presidency has and it's it's just wonderful. And he supports him totally. Now, clearly, if you want to run fuel instead of Joe Biden in 2024, this is the kind of thing you say. So that if something happens, if something happens should happen to our elderly president, uh Gavin Newsom would be in a perfect position to um to to take his place and has been loyal all the way up there. Uh but the fact is. Nobody's come out and challenged Biden. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I'll get you the numbers right now. I mean, he's, um, uh, let's see here. What's the average? I mean, Kennedy Jr., Biden is at 66.7 nationally. Kennedy Jr. is at 11.3. Okay, so that's a 55.4 percentage point lead for- um, Pretty good lead. And, you know, and there was a time- when Kennedy was going, maybe he was up 16, 17, headed toward 20. And I thought, well, you know, that might be really interesting. Matter of fact, he was um, in May of this year, he was at 20. um, And when Biden was at 66, Uh, and I thought, well, you know, you go up a bit from 20, you know, you you get somewhere uh, and it could be a real challenge. And it hasn't happened. It's been a long, slow slide. For uh, RFK Jr. and that's it's just not happening uh, in the Democratic Party. So uh, Biden has done a heck of a job at scaring off everybody. Even though it's hard to imagine a president in a more vulnerable position.
0: Yeah, but as you said, they'll they'll uh, no matter his state or condition, they'll talk about the the mega menace, right?
1: Yes, the more frail and the more worrisome his condition is, the more they'll talk about the MAGA menace, yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But what about the Kamala menace? I mean, the numbers, his disapprovals are way up. Uh, One of the few Democrat politicians with lower numbers even is Kamala Harris. Did you see? Have people thought about that?
1: You saw this David Ignatius column that a lot of people talked about. I did. On... Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, the thing that was so interesting about it is he he starts off and you knew that you knew he was going to do this. He says what a great president Joe Biden is. Just say he's such a good president. He's done this good thing and that good thing.
0: Yeah, wonderful.
1: First of all, you think, well, you know, if if he's so good, how come you don't want him to run again? But um, and then he says, you know, painful, painful uh, as it is uh, for me to say this. Uh, I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for re-election. And you look at that and you say, and Vice President Harris? I mean, how how many times have you heard a column that's put it quite that way? Almost always they say, well, Biden shouldn't run. And when you read the column, it becomes clear that the column is as much about the Democratic Party's Harris problem as it is about its Biden problem because he specifically says he specifically says that um uh Harris is extremely unpopular she's only 39.5% uh and that um the simple fact is the simple fact is this is David Ignatius's words she has failed to gain traction in the country or even yeah. within her party so next comes the absolute key passage here. I, I must say, I kind of read this carefully. Biden could encourage a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. Now, wait a minute. Hasn't he just said that Biden's too old to be president? And, but apparently not if he gets a better running mate. Quote, there are many good alternatives. Starting with now mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass, whom I wish Biden had chosen in the first place, or Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Breaking up the ticket, though, would be a free-for-all that can alienate black women, a key constituency, and Biden might end up more vulnerable. So this this says a whole lot. Uh, If Biden could just get rid of Harris, it would be fine if he ran again. But he can't get rid of Harris because it would cause a um, free for all in the pro- in the in the party, and it could alienate Black women. Now, Black voters are an incredibly uh, important part of the Democratic Party coalition. They are a huge part. They are critical to the party's political fortunes. Okay, critical uh, with today's political alignments, no Democrat could get elected president with nearly unanimous, without nearly unanimous support among black voters. OK, so what you're going to do is Kamala Harris is the elected vice president of the United States. If, if Biden dies or becomes disabled, she is his constitutional successor. She will become president. And um, she was elected to that position. And if Biden were to decide not to run, she would be his expected, his presumptive political success. And is somebody in the Democratic Party going to say, well, you know, you're the first woman of color to serve as vice president of the United States, but you know, you're not really gaining traction.
0: Yeah, we're country. throwing you
1: overboard. So Go we to the back replace of the bus. Yeah. We want to replace you with somebody else. You think that's going to work? No, uh, it's not going to work. I, the, uh, the, the the column was fascinating about being more about the Harris problem. <laughs> than
0: the biden yeah yeah very interesting very interesting uh we'll put a link up to that column as well as all of your columns of course um uh, let me ask you this maybe you haven't researched this i I will i will ask you to or ask you to ask someone you know any doctors uh do you know any doctors who think biden will make it to 86
1: you're a doctor of philosophy is that correct
0: yeah yes that's that that doesn't work it does not work what do you think it doesn't. It, it, I had it on an airplane ticket once, and a woman uh, stewardess came back, or flight attendant, I should say, and said, "Are you a doctor?" Because we have trouble in eight C. I said, "Not that kind of doctor, no man." <laughs> Ever since then, I dropped the doctor. Anyway.
1: Yes, oh, if, I, I'm I, having an, if I'm having a health emergency in seat eight C, and I look up and see you, I say, "No, not a PhD, please."
0: Well, if you're having an existential challenge, I might be able to help. <laughs> but, okay, uh, but no, okay. No, he, but I mean, it, is he going to make it to eighty? Is he going to make it to uh, to to eighty two?
1: I don't know. The actuarial tables say that uh, you know a white man in America who makes it to age 80, has maybe a seven-year, six-year, seven-year life expectancy, maybe eight. I looked this up one time. The Social Security Administration keeps detailed actuarial tables. You can of course you up. did. Of course you did. And uh, so you so is- might, might live. I mean, you know, remember when they said Bob Dole was too old? He was 73, and he lived uh, in like yeah. or something like that? Bob Dole could have served four terms in the White House, if it were constitutional. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, so is he going to live? You know, I, I I hope so. I don't want anybody to, oh, to go course, early, not. but my goodness. But but there's a difference between just living and being able to do the most um, mentally and physically and sometimes emotionally challenging job in the world. Uh, so the idea that Biden is up to the job is nuts. I mean, and we've all watched him slow down over the last two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it only, the aging only goes one way. It doesn't reverse itself.
0: No, I, it know, I know. I know.
1: And sometimes, sometimes it accelerates.
0: Yeah. I know that too. Yeah.
1: Anybody who has seen, you know, an elderly relative, uh, you know, go from a, you know, a, a life of great vigor, to slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. They see that happening with the president right now. Yeah, they know right. it's not going to get better.
0: Well, uh, of course, I will join in the obligatory. I hope he lives forever and that no harm befalls him. But should harm befall him, I hope it happens before 2024.
1: Well, it would probably be better for our political system. I mean, it's always better uh, to have a, a president who is elected. Uh you know, we've only had—am I right? We've only had one president who's ever not been elected, Gerald Ford. Um, yeah, for a while there.
0: But was, you know. well, that that raises an interesting question: if if he if he God forbid he were to die in the next year, um, and she ascends the presidency, would there then be a big movement in the Democrat Party to find running uh, other people to run?
1: Well, the, the the Constitution would require the selection of a new vice president. Wouldn't it? I believe. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then you know, just for constitutional succession purposes. Um, but if she's the if she's the president of the United States, what what is David Ignatius going to go tell her that I'm sorry, you haven't really got gained traction <laughs> and you have to step down? Like, come on, it's not going to no, work. No, no,
0: no. But that there would be challenges. I mean, you know, city oh. presidents get challenges all the time.
1: Well they do. Well, not that much. Um Biden now, doesn't you know, as a, as a matter of fact, there hasn't been a really uh, big one since Kennedy in, in nineteen eighty, has there? And Kennedy challenging Carter.
0: Well, Johnson would have been, right.
1: Well, that's even longer ago. So I mean you uh, had you No, know, I don't I just don't think you did have many um sitting president, you know, primary challenges.
0: So Johnson um, was more recent, right?
1: Well, John, you talk about 1968 with Johnson and, you know, Eugene McCarthy runs, runs and does surprisingly well in the New Hampshire primary, although Johnson wins it. And then it shows Johnson's weakness. And then Robert F. Kennedy gets in. It's it's kind of an opportunistic. Right, right. After McCarthy has shown Johnson's weakness. And then in 1980, Carter is obviously weak. And you have. um, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay challenging okay. him. And that was, you know, that was a serious serious challenge, but it didn't get anywhere near succeeding.
0: All right, all right. This is a this is this is not a good turn I've taken this conversation in. It's a little little little, little morbid. All right. Um let's go back let's go back to the living um and the living well and living long. Um let's talk about the mayor of New York City.
1: Hmm. How about him?
0: How about him and the monster from Texas? Is that what he called? The madman from Texas. (laughs) This was a great column, if you could just kind of summarize it. I mean, a lot of reasons New York's in trouble. I don't think Greg Abbott is the main reason.
1: No, I was actually very struck by um, this column in which – in which, basically, Greg Abbott, excuse me, uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, said something just absolutely extraordinary very recently. And he's talking about the migrant crisis. Um, and city officials estimate in New York City that 110,000 migrants have arrived in New York in the last year or so. Um, and New York has a, has a law where they have, the city has to take care of them. Um, and, uh, Adams comes out and says, uh, um, we already have a huge deficit. This is going, we're going to have to cut every city service to take care of, uh, the, the migrants. And he said, let me tell you something. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. And you go, wow, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, and then it turns out he, he has to blame somebody. Now, 110,000 uh, migrants have arrived. And he says it started with a madman down in Texas deciding he wanted to bus people up to New York. Now, the madman in Texas would be the Republican governor there, Greg Abbott. Well, Greg Abbott has sent 13,000 migrants to New York City. And remember, the city says there have been 110,000 who uh, currently are currently there. So you think to yourself, where did the other 97,000 come from? Well, uh, a lot of them uh, could have been actually relocated by the Biden administration to the New York area. A lot of them were brought by NGOs, non-governmental organizations, a lot of church organizations in Texas that get federal funds to move illegal border crossers into the interior of the country. Some of them are coming from the northern border. There's apparently a problem up there as well. But the idea that this whole problem stems from a madman in Texas, when in fact, all of these migrants are drawn by New York's sanctuary policy. They know, by the way, they're going to get a work permit. They're going to get a driver's license. Uh, they'll get a place to live. They'll get help buying everyday needs. And if they break the law, if they get in trouble with the law, they'll, they know, they know that nobody's going to call the immigration authorities. Nobody's going to call ICE if they're arrested, even for a serious crime, because it's a sanctuary city. So it's a it's obvious it's obvious why people are coming to New York City and the mayor yeah. realizes it's a problem but can't say what it is.
0: So he tried this uh, thing of uh, kind of secretly busing them to the New York suburbs, right? Yeah, New Rochelle right. and other places. Well, that didn't that, didn't, that didn't go over.
1: No, no. <laughs> it did not work.
0: But I've uh, seen these scenes out of these hotels. Yeah. Those are hotels I've stayed at and paid good money to stay at.
1: No, it's just terrible. It's horrible absolutely terrible what's going on. And you know, as a matter of fact, I'm looking for this right now. Um, Bill Melugin, uh the Fox, yeah, guy, yeah, has done yeah, such great work. Yes, he has. The border crisis uh, today was tweeting as we speak. Uh, was tweeting that there were huge numbers crossing the border. Today, I think it was about, let's see, um, um, maybe seven or 8,000 today and yesterday.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Showed pictures from um, Ajo, Arizona, showing illegal immigrants in cages. There's no other way to say it. They're being kept in cages, which would have disturbed a lot of uh, Democrats if um, if it happened during uh, Donald Trump. Uh, And then he talked about uh, large numbers of single adult men from all over the world are crossing illegally into Border Patrol's Tucson, Arizona sector. Our team shot video in Lukeville, Arizona, where men from Africa have been crossing daily. Hundreds from Senegal have crossed here in recent days. Now, Senegal is not contiguous with Mexico. Um, Clearly, right. But uh, Joe Biden has sent the message around the world. If you cross illegally into the United States, you will be allowed to stay. And it is if you're in Senegal and you really want to get to the United States, it's worth it to get to Mexico because then you can get into the United States. So Biden has sent an extremely strong message that has shot around the whole world and um, if anybody thinks that these are Mexicans or Guatemalans or Hondurans, um, predominantly crossing into the United States, it's from every country in the world.
0: Yeah. I think predominantly from those countries, though, right?
1: I'd have to look up the numbers. Okay.
0: I don't know. There's, there's I don't a know. A
1: lot of, lot of people from, from elsewhere.
0: I noticed. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Those t shirts, you know. Those Joe Biden, thanks, Joe Biden, T-shirts have made it far and wide. Um, has anyone done the numbers on six more years of uh, Biden-Harris border policy or Harris
1: no, border policy? Good. You know, you hear Republicans tossing around 7 million a lot. I think that number seems high to me. I haven't actually checked it. I'd have to check with uh, Mark Prekorian and Jessica Vaughn and the people. Sure, sure for immigration studies. Well well it ain't high for
0: it ain't high for eight thousand a day. That's two hundred and fifty thousand a month. Yeah. That's three three million a year.
1: There you go. And we're we're more than two years into this. Um so Democrats restive on this at all? Uh
0: I don't think other than other other than the madman in Texas, have they looked to the obvious place yet?
1: I don't, think so. well, I, I don't think that I don't think a lot of them think it's a crisis. They don't. They, think don't. It's a they don't.
0: They, they don't.
1: see. They see um, first of all, I guess they want more people to mow their yards or something. Yeah. More,
0: more gardeners. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: More gardeners. But, you know, I, I think they see future Democrats. Obviously, uh, none of these people are U.S. citizens right now. Uh, but the next fight, of course, will be about a path to citizenship for all of them. So um, sure, you know, sure. Labor, you know labor unions see future members and so I think a number of Democrats see uh, you know benefits in this the yeah, yeah. border nobody seems concerned just about the rule of law, you know that that you have it, what, what what Barack Obama said, you know a country has to have a border. I mean, if it doesn't, it's not a country
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and uh last thing um can you explain the press to me the independent press why um remember the expression intellectuals were uh, act like a herd of independent minds remember that yeah okay a herd a herd of independent minds in the media How can it be that they seem to be in such lockstep, with few exceptions, to the Biden talking points, you know, uh, woeful, ignorant bliss about Hunter Biden, everything else? Where are they? Where's the tenacious, ferocious, tough reporter from The New York Times? Has he resigned or?
1: Well, I think they've there have been enormous changes in journalism over the last twenty years. They've accelerated certainly since the Trump years. And uh, you know, there was an example today as we speak. um, You know, when uh, Kevin McCarthy announced an impeachment inquiry, uh, and the White House sends a, a kind of a public letter to the press saying, you know, do not, do not, just pass on. These Republican lies, as if they're true, challenge every single word they say about this impeachment. And so you think to yourself, you know, nobody in the press is going to pay attention to that. Uh, They're just going to exercise their own judgment editorially. And then CNN does this, quote, fact check on Kevin McCarthy, which is absolutely embarrassing because a number of the fact checks uh, start with the word true. That is McCarthy. what McCarthy said was true, but they wanted to add some sort of context to it. Uh, but it looked as if yeah. it looked as if Biden issues this order and then CNN just jumps to it. Um, it's 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 really kind of extraordinary. And it was really quite embarrassing, I think, for CNN. But, you know, what can I say? I mean, the 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 press kind of lost its some people in the press kind of lost their minds during the Trump years Um and if anything, they think the Trump threat is greater now, so they're not gonna um, they're not gonna change the way they do things.
0: If they don't change the way they do things, and they're you know they're kind of cat's paws for for Biden. This affects elections, doesn't it?
1: It does. It yeah. it, it absolutely does. I mean, because obviously it it you know it affected an election in twenty twenty because they suppressed the laptop yeah. Yeah. Uh, information. <laughs> my, my, my great Hunter, Hunter Biden is now suing a bunch of people for spreading his laptop that he won't admit is his, but he's suing yeah. him for damages, for spreading yeah. some laptop that's, that belongs to somebody um, that uh, right. he wants to get damages for. I, so, you know, what can I say? Um,
0: yeah, I, I
1: know. It's just going to get worse and worse. Oh, boy. Yeah. don't tell, don't,
0: don't tell me that. All right, well, as long as you're around, it's not the worst. What does Lear say? As long as we can say this is the worst, it's not the worst. Um, Thank you, Byron York, as always. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Bill. Always enjoy it. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show.
0: Show. Well, that does it for today's show, Claude. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to TheBillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Facebook. Twitter. Well, do you want to go Twitter first? Well, on X. On X. Well, we all call it still call it Twitter. Twitter or William X J. Bennett. At William J. Bennett. <laughs> and you can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. You know this pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, he's not looking at anything. <laughs> no. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and your friends. We will catch up next week.